Hey everybody, welcome to the YouTube show. Nice way. Um, uh, yeah, a busy week at work. And we're not going to bore you. We talked about that for a few minutes before we got on. But it's nice to kind of decompress and <laughs> decompress by watching Italian gangster movies where they all beat each other up. Uh, boy, I'm with Joe and Craig. Joe, did you feel better after watching this gangster stuff? I don't know if it felt better or worse. I mean, I, yeah. I you know, in and of itself, ooh, right? It's kind of, you know, just from the opening, like, all right, take his teeth out. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going to find myself in that situation. Okay. That's just not going to happen in my life. And no point are guys with those connections to the, to the criminal underworld going to say, yeah, we need to talk to that guy. What the, yeah, that guy who you know works for this digital optimization team. Wait, 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 you lost me. Yeah, yeah, very They're not interested in me. <laughs> so, on the one hand, I did feel a little bit better. I'm like, those terrible things won't be visited upon my person. <laughs> well, just to set this up so everyone knows what we're talking about, uh, last week, uh, we we're missing Craig, Craig was at an event last week. And, uh, Craig, when you were gone, we decided to um, – The Insider, it's a popular uh, YouTube channel uh, to do various type of videos. And this one, they had former Boston gang ganger – yeah, I cannot talk tonight – gangster Mark Silverman. Uh, he was looking at some of these gangster movies and saying what's legit and what's not legit. Um, Craig, are you a big gangster film guy? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely a genre we've seen dozens and dozens and dozens of movies uh, depict. But um, you know, I, I usually when you when you hit a really good mark with a gangster movie, it just uh, it's something special, really. I mean, you you think of movies like The Godfather, mm -hmm. um, Pulp Fiction is a gangster movie. It's lower level gangster, but it's certainly fits into that you know element uh, goodfellas is probably right. the best gangster movie of all time so you know those are ones that you know quickly jump off the head but there's so many you know different like subgenres of it though like there's sort of more comical ones like a mickey blue eyes uh one of my favorite For things match yeah, is another one, one of my right? favorite things growing up was Dick Tracy, and that is a sort of a children's almost version of a gangster movie. Mm -hmm. uh, the Warren Beatty film was just a gorgeous, gorgeous film uh, from 1990. So yeah, I love the genre, and it this was kind of an interesting video for me because you know I don't necessarily always care if a movie is 100 percent accurate to what it, you know you want it to be believable you don't want it to, to ring not true but mm -hmm. you also know that there's going to be certain liberties taken when you're making a film whether it's based off of a book and it's got to differ because the book's so much larger than the movie is going to be time-wise or in this case you know you're talking about gang you know gangster movies and you're talking about how you're going to move the story forward and I think it was kind of a compelling video um, just to hear someone's take on, on things, whether they ring true, whether that happens, whether it happens like that kind of thing. You know, I was happy that he, you know, talked about The Departed, which is probably one of the better gangster movies we've seen probably of the 21st century with the Martin Scorsese film. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's just kind of a fun, you know, it was, it was kind of an interesting video for movie lovers, especially of the gangster genre. Yeah, agreed. Uh, well, let's take a step back first. Here's what I don't understand. I, I've been, as you guys were talking, I was looking for articles about this guy, Mark Silver, Silverman. Is there like a statute of limitations on what he did? Now, it, it, it's never clear on these articles. Like, did he kill somebody? Was he just a gangster? Like, like what's his offenses? But how... I'm sure he was a gangster. I'm not calling BS on this guy. Right. But how is he going on YouTube videos to talk about his career and everything else? Isn't there reprisals and everything? Like, you know, if you're a gangster, you shouldn't snitch on yourself or other people. And it wasn't like he was calling out people going, okay, this guy's guilty. This guy's guilty and everything. But if you're a gangster and you reform and you leave your life of crime, I'm not going to YouTube and like he's being quoted in different articles about what he saw, what he not, didn't see. I mean, is there something fishy about this whole thing? Well, but you know what, though? Thinking about it, I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting question, and it's kind of a valid question, but, you know, he doesn't really ever specify, like, if he were to say, oh, I killed Jim Jones, then, yeah, he'd be right. in some, he, he may be, you know, subject to some issue. But if he just says, oh, I once saw a guy remove someone's teeth, that that's just so vague that how can you even trace it back to the certain incident or right. to his involvement? So I think he understands how to be vague enough that he can admit to things or admit to seeing things or talk about like Whitey Bulger, for instance, like he does here in the clip um, and, and get away with it. So not, not really get away with it because, you know, you're not, you're not prosecuting him and he's getting off, you know, of the, right. It's more so right. just saying, this is what I saw. You know, it'd be, it'd be like a chef. If you ask a chef questions about things they saw students cook, you would never know for sure what that person's talking about because they're only describing what they saw. A similar situation here where he's not admitting anything. He's not, you know, incriminating himself by saying he, even if he were to be the one that would pull people's teeth out, because you'd have to trace it back to the person that he did that to. And you probably couldn't because my guess is after someone loses their teeth, they probably get shot. But um, yep. at any rate, you know, he's, he's not really incriminating so much as he's providing like, uh, I guess this would be the gangster's version of the master class, if you will, of. Uh, <laughs> right, right. right, right. You can buy the master class of Gordon Ramsay teaching you to, to make a beef Wellington. And here, I guess you. You kind of subscribe to Mark Silverman's uh, masterclass on, on what uh, you know, what to, how to be an Irish gangster. Yeah, <laughs> and, and too, you know, to... I don't know oh, if you yeah. saw this, but he actually has the book uh, "Rogue Mobster: The Untold Story of Mark Silverman." So, mm-hmm. um, in the Boston Mafia, so he actually, you know, has a book. So I don't know what the book's details are, but I can't imagine that he said, "Oh yeah, on night." You know, on June third, nineteen ninety-five, I killed you know Mike Jones. You know, I can't imagine he right. would say stuff like that. Well, but not just for like the police looking at it, but you know, you've had to tick somebody off in the gang. I mean, you could have been the best gang member or the worst gang member, but if you're in a gang, you're not going to keep everybody happy. Maybe, 
one of your colleagues is mad at you or one of your rival gang members are mad at you. I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't be in public at all if it's YouTube or <laughs> you know doing a TED Talk somewhere or anything else yeah, like that. It's, it's funny you bring that up because I the first thing that came to my mind when you started saying that was, you remember those old shows on like the CW or whatever or whatever it was where the uh, the magician wearing the mask would reveal all the secrets of the magicians and then all the yeah. magicians would like speak out publicly against this this masked masked magician i wonder if that's the same thing that applies here in that he's giving away all these trade secrets and then some of these people are probably like if i ever see him in public he's gonna get it but that's my guess is he's probably far away from you know he probably lives in like a cabin in montana or something you know he's probably in some sort of a witness protection i'm sure he's probably helped out the you know, may, I, I shouldn't say that because I don't want to, you know, speak for him. But maybe he's, right. you know, off the grid, so to speak. Right. Well, and I also wonder too in these situations, because you know the reason we're interested is because of movies. That's the connection here, and that's where so many of our opinions are informed. Even if you read the news about actual court cases, you know, uh, John Gotti or Whitey Bulger, whoever, you know, um, and you you think you know the story, you don't know the story. For all we know, this guy has a special dispensation. He had to get out when he did because one of their informants told him they're going to pop him and we got to, something's got to give, you know. Um, and maybe they said, yeah, go write a book, distract some stuff, don't name names and, and you know. Right. We, we have this idea that that you never get out and if you do, it's concrete shoes or blah, blah, blah. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. I gotta I gotta imagine that you know, yeah, you want out, but you know you're not supposed to get out. But then that was the time that you saved me and my kids. Right, so right. I'm gonna let yeah. it slide. You can scoop. You know, you know even, even though he, even though in the context of his uh, you know his little uh, video, he he mentioned that you know you don't necessarily set up like a retirement fund and IRAs and everything, but mm -hmm. maybe he like got out when he could and got out on good terms with everybody. You know what I mean? As weird as that is to sound like, you know, a, a gangster getting out on good terms, but maybe he got out and everybody's like, Oh, I respect that guy. I'm not going to go after him. Well, I often wonder too, because you know, it's murder is bad for business. No matter what your business is, I can't imagine that, you know, I mean, sure. You got ways to dispose of bodies and whatnot, but, especially for somebody who's on the radar of law enforcement, even if they're on the other side. Um, I can't imagine that like, okay, so somebody's nephew's coming up or their buddy just got out of the joint and they want to make him a, you know, he's getting bumped up the chain. Well, this guy's in that position and we've got another guy who wants that position. He's, you know, he sleeps with the fishes. Well, maybe not. Maybe we just say, Hey, move to Florida. <laughs> but you know, we work. Gangsters, they work with so many different people. I mean, we work for Gannett. It's a national news company. Yep. Uh, we're all in touch with different people every day. And, hey, I I take pride in my work. I hope I work hard and everything. But, you know, somebody in the company doesn't like everything I'm doing. Joe, somebody in the company doesn't like you. Somebody in the company doesn't like Craig. And we're just doing news. I mean, we're, we're not, you know, doing big stuff. And when this guy's a gangster, if, if he killed a billion people, or if he just watched, or if 
he was their coach or whatever the case might be. I'm not, I had a hard time getting around that. Uh, I watched, I'm not going to suggest it here because I'm not sure if it's that interesting. Uh, there was this expose, I'm saying expose and um, quote marks about Christian music. Uh, some people say, oh, it's fake. It's not really true. They're making it up and everything. Everybody who was quoted on the show had their face blurred out and they were, you know, not using their real name. It's for a Christian music show right, where right. this guy is talking about gangster and uh, Craig's right. I mean, at least he wasn't calling out names, but man, I wouldn't want to be attached to that at all. Or if he's living off the grid or a witness protection, maybe he's got a different name. You know, hey, his name's now Steve, but he used to be a gangster or something. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and if you yeah. notice too, he's he's uh looks like he's got a shaved head, but he's wearing that hat down tight. Now I don't think that's a great disguise, <laughs> but again, what do I know? You know, I, uh, um, well, he's also I, on I, Twitter, I, by the way, I just found him on Twitter. He's on, he's on Twitter. Like, he's not, he's not actively trying to hide from anybody. Let's face the right, facts. Right. Here. Right. And and that's yeah. what makes me think that there was some, you know, he was yeah. like, yeah, I got out. You if know. he was fearing that, happened, for that his has life. to happen more often than you, than you think it does. You know, if he feared for his life, he wouldn't be actively, Right. You would okay if you're fearing for your life. Of all the things that someone that used to be in the gang, a gangster could be, would be breaking down scenes in gangster movies. I don't think he would put that high on the priority list if he really feared being out in the public was a bad thing. What's his brand? What's it? I'm looking him up to. What's he tweeting? He tweet. He was tweeting a lot about the Boston Red Sox. So whoa, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So he's not like saying everything from the motive of a gangster. Like he's not swapping gangster stories every, you know, day on Twitter. Well, I mean, he's, he's what I guess you would call retired, I suppose. He doesn't, uh, okay. Or he's got other interests other than, uh, his past life, you know, and maybe, you know, that's part of it. I mean, you know, he's, he, not, he's not spouting off political takes, right? He's not like ultra uh, right or left wing. He says, "What's one of the uh, things that he tweets here is what's the difference between the government and the mafia? One of them is organized." Oh, what? So, <laughs> a little bit political there, but uh, you know. But like, he's not he's not lighting with one side or the other. He's just more. I think I think I've put like a journalist hat on here because. Oh, as okay. a journalist, well, wouldn't it be fascinating to sit down with someone and and hear? hear these stories i mean yeah. it's it's kind of a fascination of a subject matter that you don't always have a lot of access to right. and or okay. you don't have access to unless you know someone that knows someone that knows someone that's willing to talk you know here this guy i could direct message him and ask him hey would you be willing to sit i mean you know i don't have to go through 500 hoops in order to even just direct message this person which i think that's the fascination from my end being a journalist and someone that writes stories every day is just kind of like wow you know you have like direct access to someone that could probably you know fill up 10 newspapers worth of stories how, how many followers does he have on twitter um he has uh i think it was a, only about four or five thousand but i'm sure the more okay. 2000 for 2047. So I'm, you know, I'm sure 
I'm sure as he tweets more and gets out, you know, more content, he probably could get more followers. I mean, I followed him just to just to kind of see, you know, what's what the fuss is about. But, you know, he's got the book and he's, you know, he posted the, uh, you know, how realistic the, the, the stuff we're talking about here with the mob scenes. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of a it's kind of I'm glad we you know, even though I was off last week, I'm glad we uh, we picked this one. This is kind of an interesting, you know, I love movies and I love, you know, obviously I love The Departed. And it was kind of like sad, I guess, when he talked about how it would be very un, un, pretty much unlikely that, you know, they would infiltrate a mob with a police officer undercover. But it is, you know, that was part of the drama of that movie, too. So I yeah. didn't really hold it against it. Well, and he, he still, even considering taking that in consideration, he said there were some really good scenes in there, and he gave it a oh, seven yeah, out of yeah. ten. You know, right. he still oh, he right. still said it it got most it hit most of the beats yeah. squarely. You know, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I think it was a a realistic, gritty look at the you know the crime. You know, and I guess in this case, it was centralized in Boston, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly aside from that maybe what he would consider a plot hole, the fact that it's an undercover agent would be highly unlikely, especially in that movie where DiCaprio was a, I guess you would call him a failed cadet, even though he he was a past cadet. He he did pass his exam to become a cadet. They just didn't want him to be a cadet because of some of his family history. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it probably was a little bit strange that you'd have, even though someone had a rough upbringing with, with family that was tied to the mafia a little bit, that he would go to the police academy, get kicked out using air quotes for that, and then kind of be reinserted into this, you know, undercover agency role. So it was still a good movie, though. Very good movie. One of Scorsese's better, I think, uh, the last probably 25 years or so. I think he did a nice job with it. It was very gritty and a nice cat and mouse game, I guess, you could, almost like a spy versus spy infiltrating right. both agencies, you know, the police and the, the mob. Hmm. Very good. Um, now, I gotta admit, and not that I would never watch a, a gangster movie, but I'm not a big gangster movie guy. Was there anything that even one of you guys said that you would question his take on in terms of was this realistic or not? Nope. <laughs> I nope. I don't think you could. Put- <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can question an expert like that on that. I mean, there, like I said before, I think the biggest thing is, is we know that not everything is going to be realistic in a movie. You're going to take some liberties for the sake of moving that narrative along in the film. And, you know, much like The Departed, you know, it was a remake of a foreign language film. And maybe they do things differently in other countries where it's a little bit more known or it's a it's a little bit more uh happening where people are infiltrating the mob and infiltrating the police departments and so on and so forth and maybe less likely in you know especially the boston mafia but no i I mean i wouldn't i wouldn't take any umbrage over his you know critiques of whether things were real or not real and i don't think it diminishes our you know a viewing experience just because he said it was highly unlikely that the departed would be realistic. Well, it's a movie. It's not, it's grounded in some reality, but then it's also a film and we can also take it for what it is, which is entertainment. And, you know, that doesn't diminish the experience just because 
he poked a giant hole through the plot, you know, I mean, or I wouldn't say that he doesn't know what he's talking about because he clearly does know what he's talking about. So mm -hmm. I kind of appreciate the, um, the expertise that he lent to that, but it would, it doesn't necessarily diminish how we view a movie or whatever, because, you know, you could say that, well, a movie like Wally is, you know, or up, or movies like that just are not realistic. Well, they're movies. They're supposed to be fun and entertaining. Right. And they're not necessarily always grounded in realism. They don't always have to be realistic for us to jump in and, and enjoy it. Yeah. And I, I, too, about his speaking to his his expertise, I mean, so much of it, he's just, it's just practical. You know, I mean, it's things like, you know, when they, they were talking about the, I think it was the next movie that they that they talked about, which was the... The Ben Affleck, uh, oh, the town bank yeah. robbery, the heist, the heist, uh, yeah, the town. Um, you know that that the scene with, um, well, what's his name? He's great, uh, Pete Postlewaite. Uh, where you know Affleck's trying to get out of a job, and he's like, "Nope, here's a wad of cash. Nope, that won't do either." And uh, he's, you know, he says, "Yeah, you, you keep your earners. You just there's a lot of knuckleheads that just in crews that just want to be gangsters, you know, but." The guys who are good at it, it's like any job. It's like any field. Any manager wants to keep the people who can do the work that has to be done. You know, yeah. you're not, and especially in a field like that, when you're like, oh, these guys are really good at robbing banks. They're really good at robbing payroll, at, at armored cars, whatever. They can do it and not get caught. And then we've got our, you know, 50, 100, 200, $500,000, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I can see that, you know, I can see, you know, back to the departed that, yeah, they're, they're not going to actually get a state trooper to infiltrate the mob because he's a state trooper. You know, he right. went to, he went to the Academy, you know, I can Google that. <laughs> and so, that's just me. <laughs> I can imagine what these guys would know. They did have that one scene where uh, where Jack Nicholson's character was uh, giving him the business and trying to, I, I think, test DiCaprio's allegiance where he broke his arm right. um, mm -hmm. and and was beating him up and giving him a once-over to determine if, if he would crack. Um, and I, I'm not saying that that's a worthy enough test to determine whether you should let this potential narc in your agency, but it, it, it at least was addressed. Like it, it would have been weird if like, like you said, you could Google that this guy was a cadet that maybe did or didn't pass the Academy, but you know, they at least addressed it with Nicholson's character trying to determine how far he could go to determine if this guy is going to be loyal. Maybe he's going to, he tried to be better than his family was and realized he couldn't be. So then he decided to turn to the life of crime like his father before mm -hmm. him was involved in. So it, it at least was addressed before, even though it may have been, you know, not to everybody's standards in terms of realism. But, you know, at the very least, they didn't like say, oh, well, we're not even going to address the elephant in the room. They did. Okay, very good. Um, speaking of that, we have to have a conversation about next week. But before we get there, um, Craig, I, I'm curious to see if you can pull this off. You mind DMing Mark Silverman? Um, <laughs> we're going to tape next week on Wednesday. 
Um, you want to see if Mark can make an appearance for a couple minutes? Uh, maybe I'll ask my wife about that, and we'll see. Um, <laughs> good, 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 good idea. Uh, well, are you afraid <laughs> about, Mark's going? How about we uh, when we when we post this link, we can tag him in the link okay. on Twitter <laughs> and see if he. I, I'll, I'll okay. If you're out there, Mark. Um, we, we like your video. We respect your video there and your expertise on this matter. Um, we'd love to have you come on. If you give us a like or a retweet of the uh, link that we share when we tag your name in, I will reach out to you and see if we can uh, expedite oh, wow. maybe an interview. How about that? I especially I especially liked and, and uh, respected his take on that hit scene from the Boondock Saints, which is so <laughs> – it's such a fun movie, but – Come on, you're not Is gonna. It, I was, I was not gonna do that. I was kind of taken aback by that because every like I don't know what it is, but especially people like in my age range, maybe in like their mid thirties, like everybody just like fawns over the Boondock Saints. I'm not one of those people. Um, I could probably name like 25 other better, you know, mafia related movies than Boondock Saints, but I was kind of happy almost that he bad mouthed you know, some of the realism of Boondock Saints because everybody just like swears by that film and I just can't get into it. Like I just can't, and it's not even the realism. It's part of that. It's just over the top, but yeah. you know, there are so many other better movies out there, gangster movies that I feel like, have you not seen some of these other, have you not seen Scarface with, you know, Al Pacino? Right. I mean, have, have you guys not watched any other mob movies ever than the Boondock Saints? Yeah, it's not just it's not just Goodfellas and Godfather Two. There's there's a lot there's a lot of stuff and a lot of it that's really I mean the the town oh my goodness the towns the town is is all kinds of fun and and no it's it's not the yeah. best one ever made but you know there's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of good bits in there there was um, American Gangster uh, is fantastic oh yeah LA, LA Confidential mm -hmm. I mean you know. For lighter fare, for people that don't like the R-rated stuff, Dick Tracy is a very childish friendly, you know, family-friendly gangster movie. And if you grew up in, in my era, you probably liked Dick Tracy. So um, people kind of slept on that a little bit. That's one of those properties that I always wish would sort of get a reboot, whether it be a series Same. or a movie. I'd love to see like a Dick Tracy series or something, um, you know, in... in but you know, it, it happens. But yeah, I just I, I feel like people sleep on on some of these movies that you know they just don't realize what's out there. And everybody always talks about the Boondock. When I was in high school, that was like the only movie that people would talk about when it come when it came to gangster movies. Maybe it's it's cooled off since then. But there are just so many other other better films out there that mm -hmm. you know that it's just I, I didn't need Mark Silverman to say that it wasn't ultra realistic. To not like it it just i don't know i'm glad that he said that because it kind of validates what i've been saying where if you want like a, a really gritty down-to-earth gangster movie that's not it no and i and that's that's another good example boondock saints is a good example of like the mtvification of mm, yeah. anything you know of any genre or whatever because yeah, I get why people go, you know, gaga over it. Yeah, but back to reality, organized crime is it's a job. 
That's why they call them jobs. It's work. I mean, it's it's shortcutting to get to money more readily or outside of the system or whatever. But right. it's still in another system. It's it's you know every one of these decent gangster films have the element of you got to make your pickups. You got to you know pay the boss man. You've got to you know. Or whatever they're even the not so good ones, there's the the element of that. We're not even getting into the TV shows that have that have, you know, capitalized on the on the kind of mythos, I guess, because it's yeah. really sort of what it is. Right. Um, but yeah, a lot of these, I mean, can you imagine that that hit scene from Boondock Saints? If they pulled that off, their direct supervisor <laughs> the <laughs> next day would be like, Yeah, you got them, that's great. You're never working for us again. What's wrong with you? That was insane. That's yeah. what happens if there's one guy coming back from the John and he goes, oh, there they are. Blam, blam. You're done. You're just dangling from the ceiling, you doofus. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, <but> that, <laughs> I, I agree with you, man. I'm so glad to find a kindred spirit. Yes, it's fun and whatnot, but it's don't call it a gangster movie. Yeah, it's, it's like a two-hour video. That's what it is. Yeah. That's, yeah. That was, that, yeah fun it, for what it is, but... Uh, incidents yeah. like that would probably uh, net you a, a cement bath, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Well, hey, if there's no other thoughts, let's kind of move on. We need to talk about uh, what's happening next week for a Christmas episode. Um, I don't know. Uh, we talked about this during our pre-show meeting. Um, any Christmas videos jump out? I've got one that. I've never seen before. I'm a little nervous, but I think it could work in a pinch. But any like 20 minute or so videos look promising? I have not seen anything that would probably meet that criteria. I sent you, if you guys check your private chat, um, I did a, just a simple search for Christmas on YouTube, and there's a video from Sorted Food where there's uh, two guys, they look like the Mythical Morning. Uh, team that we talked about a few weeks back, but they are different. Um, they taste test Christmas food from around the world. Oh. Do we do that? I mean, we're, we're very pro food here on this podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. I, I mean, it would be, I mean, it's not a video to talk about starving yourself on Christmas. It's say, hey. I would find that interesting. I'm, I'm not okay. sure. Trying to think if I have. I mean, I'm open to ideas. I just wanted to get something on the table so we're not looking for another hour or two. I think that one would be a good one. I mean, I've. I've um... <laughs> there wasn't. Well, I don't know. I, okay. I kind of. Um... Yeah, I... maybe. I will say, once we get into January, we can kind of revisit it. I like our 20-minute limit for videos. I mean, I was the one that threw out um, Hitler's Back, which would be an hour-and-a-half movie. But probably lengthwise, that'd be tough. Just it, It's a busy season. I know it's for me, and I'm sensing the same with Joe and Craig and their work and family and other pursuits right now. So, All right, well, Craig, unless you have a vicious opposition... You want you want to watch people taste this Christmas food? 
Yeah, I think that would be fine. Okay. okay. And then we will go back to our voting uh, the, next week for the following week once we get past the Christmas season. Uh, let's see. What else is there to talk about? Um, let me just uh, promo some of our stuff that we have coming up. Um, as always, lots of interviews with um, guests. Um, I talked to a guy by the name of Garrett over the weekend. Um, he's the uh, leader for the University of Georgia Spike Squad. Uh, Joe, I don't know if you remember, we had a story in uh, where I wrote about how Georgia was running around crossing all the M's on campus. And, oh, yeah. Um, uh, kind of a... <laughs> um, I'll... I'll, I'll be a little transparent here. Uh, Garrett's learning good PR. Garrett's a, a student at the University of Georgia, and it took me a while to figure out who he was. He mm-hmm. just gave a statement. So the article I wrote for the dispatch was according to a statement from the group, and I'm like, dude, tell me your name. So I um, interviewed him over the weekend. We're going to release on the podcast this weekend, and hopefully we'll be able to upload that to dispatch.com. Uh, let's see. What else have we talked to? Uh, as always, Dan A. King and uh, Megan Henry. I uh, talked about some of their recent stories for the dispatch. Uh, Craig, we talked what? Um, some more Frasier. Uh, we talked about Seinfeld uh, this week. And uh, Craig, you and I, uh, just a, a couple of assorted stuff. We kind of gave our thoughts on the Disney um, and YouTube fight over some of their programming. Uh, I talked about uh, how I'm playing video games with my 15 year old. It's kind of interesting. And then how I'm using Google Drive to look at more pictures of my family. So all kinds of fun stuff going on. Um, Craig, I saw you talk to Bob. I think we published that about yeah. what you guys talk about. Yeah, tell me more about uh, that. Yeah, Bob reviewed uh, a couple of real Oscar contenders with West Side Story and Licorice Pizza. So uh Got to talk, and and Bob is in rare company. Only four theaters oh. right now playing Licorice Pizza, so he's been one of the very few to see that film. Uh, so uh, Bob, Bob, you know, being in Harlem, he's got the in. You know, we we love Bob because of that. He's got the opportunity to to see some movies and get the uh, the early advanced screening on those uh, compared to other people. They're not eating with licorice pizza, are they? No, 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 no. Okay. It's not. It's a. I guess it was a, a the name of a former record store. Um, oh, but, okay. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. There's no licorice or pizza in the film, um, which I guess it's a Paul Thomas Anderson film, and he he okay. is a a very unique director, but a great director and a terrific, even better writer, probably. Um, but um, you know, I'm excited to see it when it comes to town. Uh, but unfortunately, it's getting a very ultra-limited release right now. Hopefully, once it starts racking up awards here in this uh, next coming months, we'll see a little bit wider release because I can't wait to see it. Joe, they need a better name for the movie because when I first heard <laughs> Licorice Pizza, I'm like, there's no way I'm watching this. I, I agree. I was thinking this. No, you got it's a coming. No, 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 no. No, look. I, you know how some people feel about Pineapple on pizza? I feel that way about licorice just being licorice. Put it on a pizza and then you ruin two things. You know what I yeah. mean? You, yeah. you ruin plastic packaging by putting licorice in it. And is then you re- take it out of that and put it on a pizza and you've ruined a pizza. <laughs> so is there a my wife loves you- it, but I can't stand it. I don't. So why do you call a record store licorice pizza? That's a strange name for a record store. 
you want to stand out, don't you? Yeah, that's true. Could you imagine yeah. if, I mean, not that the record store was long before the age of Google and all that, but could you imagine, okay. you know, people looking up, you know, what's an obscure record store? Well, here's Licorice Pizza. You almost have to oh. go into that store when it's called Licorice Pizza, you know? You wouldn't just go into a uh, record store when it just says, oh, this is record store. Come into our store, you know? The well, I'd probably pizza. walk by and say, I don't want licorice pizza, and just walk <laughs> by. If I don't look in and see it's just records, I don't know. Well, I'm right. sure they have the they had the records out on the window, so you would kind of know. It's almost probably one of those things where you... Yeah, I, th I think um, Craig... We lost Craig there for a second, so... We may um, have. Craig also has, and uh, we can ask about when he gets back... Um, he talks to George Thomas, me after big draw on Thursday. Uh, George covers the Browns, uh, University of Akron, and a couple of things for the Beacon. But he also covers pop culture and movies. And they'll be talking about whatever the newest movie is. I know last week uh, they talked about West Side Story. So you can uh, hear, and that's already been published. You can hear what um, George had to say about West Side Story. And uh, I know Craig and George don't talk a lot about sports, but maybe Craig can ask George about what's happening with the Browns and COVID. Um, I've yeah, been, seriously. Yeah, I, I've been dealing with Nate Ulrich, who's the main uh, Browns beat writer for the um, um, Acrobic Journal. And Nate was telling me, I got to go. I got to get tested. So hopefully Nate's okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't mean COVID testing is funny. It's just... Uh, crazy times for COVID, NFL, and everything else that's going on. So, uh, I think we got Craig back. Yeah, sorry, my internet like all of a sudden just. Oh, you're fine. Um, uh, is George? Does George Thomas have COVID? I guess that's what we're asking. I hope not. Well, I mean, he covers the Browns. Um, well, I, I, yeah. I know Nate Ulrich. Uh, I was working with him today on the uh, our Browns uh, COVID coverage, and Nate. Um, so I gotta go. I'm getting a COVID test. Oh, hopefully you're okay. Well, ho hopefully he didn't because I know uh, we'll be talking Spider-Man No Way Home tomorrow along with Nightmare Alley, a couple of big releases. I am, you know, thankfully for George, he did not have to pay $25,000 for a Spider-Man ticket. He got to see it for free in his screener. So um, we do appreciate George and, and all he does as well. But uh, he did not get price gouged uh, with Spider-Man No Way Home tickets. Okay. Uh, Joe, Nate was at uh, the Baker Mayfield event we were talking about offline right, on right. Monday, and he posted a video of Baker playing dodgeball with the kids. And, <laughs> you know, Baker throwing balls at kids, uh, you can imagine all the bad shtick in the Twitter comments. And, yes, there was a lot of bad shtick about can he complete a pass? Can anybody catch the <laughs> – the, the, um, the dodgeballs that Baker was throwing. As you can imagine, Joe, lots of bad stick there, you know, for Browns fans. <laughs> you could so. turn that into, like, the uh, Peyton Manning Saturday Night Live United Way uh, parody oh, yeah. they did where he was throwing footballs at kids and yelling at them for not catching it. Like, you could have, like, Baker Mayfield, like, physically winding up as hard as he can and throwing dodgeballs at little kids, maybe. Okay. Very good. Um well, Joe, we we got to let you uh, promote something. This is your birthday. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, okay. I'm guessing I will promote that. I will, prom <laughs> I will pr promote 
turning years old. Uh, I am uh, just shy of a half century now. Okay. Um, which means, of course, I got another 50 years to go, right? Sure. I hope, so. sure. I, I hope they're good 50. If I got 50 more, I want them to be good 50. I want those last few to be like Jack LaLanne, Jimmy Carter old age, not like, you know, well, I'm not going to name a name because then I'll be added by somebody, you know. <laughs> what are you going to do for your birthday? Because right now you were at work for eight hours where we had like three or four major breaking stories all day. So we're all real busy. And, and then you're on our podcast. So how, how will you celebrate the rest of your birthday? I'm not sure if this has been the best birthday in your life. Um, I, again, I, I follow the uh, Patton Oswalt uh, theory okay. of birthdays. Once you turn 10, you don't get a birthday every year. Okay. You don't, you know, once you turn 10, your next birthday is 11, 12, no birthday. Just suck it up and go to school, right? 13, you get a birthday because you're a teenager. 14, 15, no birthday. 16, you can drive. You get a birthday. 17, no birthday. 18, you get a birthday right. because I believe he said you can vote and buy a gun. So, you know, wow. get a ballot and shoot it. And that's your birthday celebration. <laughs> then after that, you get a birthday every 10 years. You know, 21st with the drinking, I guess. But 20, 30, 40, 50. So next year, I'm I'm half kidding, though, because I've actually got uh, dinner and cupcakes waiting for me downstairs. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chill with the family, and we're going to watch something funny. And uh, then uh, this weekend, we're, we're getting out of town for a couple of days. And... Okay. Um, Back to work for the Chris for the uh, Christmas cycle, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll be working for me. I got the twenty third to twenty eighth off. I'm looking forward to that. I'm filling yeah. in for somebody on the twenty third or twenty fourth. Yeah, might be me. Who knows? Something yeah, like that. So, yep. I, I can't. That's the way it is. Jur journalism around holidays is. I'm not telling you guys anything. You know, it's. Uh, Somebody's working Thanksgiving and Christmas Day and New Year's Day. I always pull New Year's Day. After after I got out of my 20s, I was like, I'm your New Year's Day guy because I'm not doing that amateur night stuff on New Year's right. Eve. Also, if you need anybody to work on March 18th, I can do that too. Because St. Patrick's Day, I you know, Irish okay. heritage here, but you know, that's, somehow, that's amateur night. <laughs> so, somehow I got Thanksgiving and Christmas off, and my boss said. You will work New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And I'm like, okay. I, if I need to, I need to. No problem. Um, what else? There was something else I mentioned. needed to mention. I, I can't remember what it is now. Uh, Craig, anything else going on for you? So you're talking to Bob. You're talking to George. Doing a lot of packing right now as we prepare to move okay. next yeah. month. Move down to Clarksville, Tennessee. So... Um, doing a lot of packing and looking at yeah. a bunch of boxes and the, it's, it's sort of like the art of moving some stuff into a box and then that stuff into another box and then moving it into another place where you just had stuff. So it's kind of like moving everything around until you hopefully organize it into some boxes and totes and get it out of there. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I, I forgot to mention the other thing I got to come on tonight. Our Etc. show were me, J Joe uh, Frost, and Paul Yanchek. Um, get silly. Talk about the goofiness that's happening in life. Uh, we got some doozies tonight. I can't wait. You guys got to listen. It's some good stuff. Um, let me mention it real quick. Well, 
we've got a mom that hired a Grinch to bring Festa fun, and the Grinch ended up destroying the house, which was great. And then <laughs> we also, great. <laughs> yeah, and we also talked to a um, a uh, a story about a teacher who got in trouble because the teacher didn't know what to do. He is a substitute teacher. So it starts singing Britney Spears toxic with the video and lights and everything. He said in front of the, the class, the school came in and kicked him out. So uh, yeah. we talked about that. And as always, check out our Behind the Steel Curtain podcast. Oh, yes, that's what I needed to mention. Um, you guys might have really big interest now because Craig's moving closer to the town he likes in Nashville. And Joe lives in the Nashville area uh, because the Steelers take on the Tennessee Titans. So each week we viciously make fun of the city. Uh, I got to say, this was hard because I like Nashville. I mean, Detroit and L.A. and all those other crappy cities I can yell all the time. Uh, Can I give you guys a quick preview before we go? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, I I got my topics approved because I don't be canceled by saying something crazy. Um, (laughs) I'm talking about... A couple years ago, uh, we're mad because there's one year where the Titans uh, beat the Steelers and stomped on the terrible towel. And, you know, Steelers fans get mad when they do that. Uh, that was like the Lindale White, Javon Curse, and uh, Keith Bullock years. Uh, maybe 10 years ago now. It was a while back. Um, I was going to say, is Nashville a sports town? Mm-hmm. Y- you know, it's a great pop culture and music. How much if it's a sports town? Um, I'm mad because they took away Bud Dupree from the Steelers. He signed as a free agent. Um, I think the Oilers are more intimidating than the Titans. And then what's up with Vanderbilt still being in the SEC, Joe? <laughs> what's up with it? Yeah. Um, they have a, a really, really well-regarded medical school. Okay. So the other SEC programs um, want uh, doctors and physical therapists. Uh, okay, trying to trying to be diplomatic here. You know what I'm saying? Out, yeah, they balance out the conference GPA. I think you know. And besides, my wife works at TSU, so go Tigers. That's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> TSU. Go Eddie George. Yeah, go yeah, Eddie Tennessee George. State. Oh, Tennessee State. Okay. Former Very Titan, good. former Titan running back Eddie George, coaching there now. So that's right. That's right. Yeah, a lot of my work day was based on recruiting. I don't know. I mean, I'm okay if I say I'm a huge fan, so I, I don't know what to say about the recruiting class. I guess it was all right. And then I guess the big news of the day, the Jackson State, which is actually where our fellow podcaster Paul Gant, not Paul Yantic, Joe Frost is from. Uh, he lives in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, Deion Sanders is the coach down there. He actually flipped the top recruit in the country to go to Jackson State. So, Ironically, from his alma mater, Florida State. No less. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be, I'm sure, uh, Joe, Joe's not really a Jackson State fan, but I'm sure he'll mention it later on. So very good. Well, hey, guys, this is all I have. As always, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we will meet again next week. We'll watch Millage guys eat Christmas food. <laughs> Boy. It's like I'm looking in a mirror. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine 25 years ago when you yeah, you had your hopes and dreams and you're like, 25 years from now, we're watching guys eat Christmas food. 
Yeah. Oh, what what dream? We're living a good life. <laughs> All right. Well, for Craig and Joe, I'm Chris. I'm tired. Thanks for checking out the <laughs> YouTube show. Have a great day. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.